we do die, but what we're testifying to with, with like for me with my music is that I trust and hope uh, um, in, a, in a new renewed creation and I want my music and how I focus on it, how I work on it and, and produce it and all that um, to be a witness to this future hope that I, that I believe in. All right, welcome to the Theology for the People podcast. This is Pastor Nick Katie, and today I'm joined by Pastor John Markey from Ternopil, Ukraine. Hey, John. Hey, man. Good to have you with us. Maybe you could introduce yourself to our audience. Just let them know who you are. Okay, yeah. So I'm a pastor in Ternopil, Ukraine. Uh, that's not Chernobyl, Ukraine. Chernobyl is Western Ukraine, and I've been here for since 2000. Eight, I think. So what is that? Thirteen years now. Um, I grew up in Ukraine. So um, I've, my my parents were missionaries. Um, so since I was six years old, um, I've lived in Ukraine. So went through the whole school system here and all of my education's here. And um, yeah, and then I just stayed um, basically as a as a missionary and now a pastor out here. Um, and with my wife. Stephanie and our six kids. So that's the basic uh, overview. Yeah. And you, you're a musician too, right? Yes, I'm a musician, right? So that, that's what my education is too. I'm, I'm <laughs> piano performance. Um, but uh, basically, I, um, yeah, I, I write songs and um, play a little bit of everything because I also kind of run a studio. I kind of do run a studio out here and um, yeah, part of a music ministry that we started a few years ago called Room for More. And the idea is to uh, just um, kind of cultivate Ukrainian worship songs and music and kind of uh, see things. We have a lot of translated songs from English, which is great, but we want to like really develop the songwriting here in Ukraine and give people that do write songs an opportunity to like record and even yeah, just help people out. It's like we do seminars and, you know, just kind of encourage people in those areas. Yeah, that's great. We actually sing some of your songs here at church. I think we yeah. sing two of your songs at our church, which I love. I love those songs and uh, they're nice. great. And in, if in I, English, right? Sing we sing them in English, yeah. <laughs> but I think the song, at least one of them, was written in Ukrainian first, right? Crucified right. Messiah? Yeah, that's in, in Ukrainian first. And I think it's I think it's like most popular in Hungarian actually. <laughs> and then and then uh, yeah, it's also in English. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. That's cool. So um the reason I was wanting to have you on this episode is because uh, on Easter Sunday, we we have traditionally like had our missionaries send in a message, you know, just a real quick like iPhone camera message, just greeting our church and, um, and that. And so your message this year kind of stuck out to me because you said something about the resurrection that no one else in the video said. And I think it was something really meaningful that I think our listeners would really benefit from hearing more about. And what you said was that the the resurrection matters because the resurrection gives meaning to all of our work. 
Mm. means that our work matters. And I wanted yeah. to ask you to to elaborate on that idea. And then I've got some questions for you on how that, that works. And so, yeah. so maybe just begin by elaborating on what did you mean by that? How does the resurrection mm. give meaning to our work in a way that it wouldn't have otherwise? Yeah, man, great question. Um, and thanks for reminding me of what I said. <laughs> yeah, um, I think probably most, uh, um, I guess the most direct link to that would be what Paul says in First Corinthians 15, right? Where he talks about our labor not being in vain, right? In light of the resurrection, right? And I think I just, it was kind of something where I started kind of moving from there yeah, as, you know, just kind of, meditating more on the resurrection and what it means. Um, yeah. And what, what it means for our work. And I, yeah. So let's see if I can follow the trail here. I, I think it kind of led me to, um, to see that the resurrection is more, more than just, well, first of all, some sort of abstract, you know, um, uh, display of God's power, you know, like um, proof that he's powerful or something, but it's actually a change in like the trajectory of, right, of, of, of humankind where everything kind of goes from life to death, right? We, we move from, we live, we live, and then basically, you know, in the end, death just sort of kind of wins, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the human existence that we see. And the resurrection really means that that Jesus reverses that. He reverses it from then death to life. And um, it actually completes the picture of what, what the story of the Bible is really all about, where you move from creation in the beginning to new creation in the end. And so it's this, um, this idea that, you know, without the resurrection, truly, yeah, my work really means... <laughs> Nothing. I actually, I remember clearly. Uh, was it? I think it was an interview with Don Carson where he was saying how um, he, you know, p- people were talking about how his books and you know just how meaningful they are and everything. And he like named some obscure author from the fifties, and he's like, or no, he said, D- "Does anybody know who the author of blah 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 book is from the 50s? And like the room's silent, and he's like, "Yeah, like nobody remembers it." You know, and he's like, that's kind of how I feel it'll probably be for me. You know, like when I die 50 years after that, like nobody's going to remember what Don Carson did or whatever. And and it's that idea where, you know, in the end, like death just kind of, well, wins, right? From the human perspective. But um, but that's, I think, ultimately, and maybe more most generally, I think what the resurrection means is that that, that <laughs> Jesus reverses that. And I think that's um, that's kind of where I where I'd, I'd start from, I think, when talking about our work um, and, and the perspective we should have. Okay, cool. So the idea, though, is is an interesting one. I, I agree with you that like none of it remains. And I mean, I remember um, thinking about like, you know, I was a missionary in Hungary. You've been in Ukraine for a really long time, and there can be this sense mm-hmm. in which, um, especially in a, in a poor country, a place that maybe doesn't have as much, I don't know infrastructure, not as popular on the world stage, if you will. Um, it can feel like, you know, if you just spend your life in this place, have you just wasted your life? Have you just spent your life, uh, doing something that 
I guess is just wasted. You could have done other things, but then here's the other thing. If you had spent your time, let's say in New York, you know, working in, in doing things and, and being semi-famous, I mean, in the end that all comes to nothing as well. And so there is this sense of hopelessness and not just hopelessness. It's like uh, meaninglessness, right? That we toil away our whole lives I heard one person put it this way, and I've used it uh, this way in a sermon. So basically, every generation gets on a stationary bicycle, pedals as hard as they can until they just get tired and fall over and die. Right. And then the next generation gets on and pedals as hard as they can, and then they all die. And then we're not getting anywhere in the end. We're all just yeah. basically wasting our time and not getting yeah. anywhere. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, the the whole what started me on this whole path of really just looking into this for myself and just really seeking meaning in, in, in the resurrection and was actually, um, I was, so I, I took a trip with my brother, George, uh, probably six or seven years ago to, um, Africa and we went to Kenya and, and Uganda and that separation from my family, um, in a, in a very, unknown kind of place for me and um, well and I'm kind of a I freak out about a lot of things and so I'm thinking of all the things in Africa that want to kill me you know like all the snakes mm-hmm. and the diseases and the, you know whatever and um, but but it's that kind of unknown sort of fear and everything and it, in, a, in a really real sense for me um, I was just like man what if what's going to happen to you know Steph if I don't come back and then and and just the the whole idea the reality of like not you know, of, of, of not seeing them again. Uh, it, it kind of triggered something to where when, once I did come back, it, it started to become more of this reality of like, wow, this, this is going to end, you know, someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's really interesting. A lot of people start thinking about, you know, meaningful things once they've experienced a tragedy. I, I didn't really. And that, it, what triggered it was actually, um, kind of what you're saying where you can live in New York or somewhere like I, it was like the best time of my life. I had a great marriage and I had kids and they're doing great. And we had a great trip. And actually that was when we were releasing like our first EP and everything, like things were good. And it was kind of in that and in seeing all those good things. And then just this creeping thought, maybe it was turning 30 or something, you know, where it's just like, this is going to end. And, and in a very real way, it just sent me on this, like, I've really got a, I've grown up as a Christian and I've always said, you know, that this is my hope, but what is the real, like, um, what is the, the, the real hope that the Christian worldview offers in the resurrection and how is it different from, you know, the way other worldviews see, like, you know, the, um, what is it? The, uh, fate of humanity and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So. Well, let's talk about a few things. One of them I want to talk about is, um, let's first start by talking about a particular Bible verse that um, that might kind of run against this idea, depending on how we understand it. And that would be Second mm-hmm. Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read you a few verses. So Second Peter 3, starting in verse 7. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's what yeah. Peter says. He says, By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. 
Now I'm going to skip down to verse 10. It says, The day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away and with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. And since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people should you be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of the Lord? Okay, mm-hmm. so the question is really this. Is this essentially saying that the world is going to be destroyed, that it's all going to burn, if you will. So what's the point of doing anything? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point of creating art if that art's going to burn? What's the point of, you know, um, building cities if those cities are just going to be destroyed in the end? Yeah, good question. I, um, I think, man, I, and, and I do need to look more into the that particular passage. I, I think uh, my first... Um, instincts with it, just as with there's another one in Revelation, right? That we talk about with the the old heaven and earth passed away, right? Yeah, and all things became new. Um, is well, I guess the question is like, how literal are we talking as far as the fire and the destruction? I mean, we're obviously talking judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like I. I, I kind of point to Second Corinthians. I think it's 2 Corinthians five, right, where Paul says that whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, and all, all things have become new. Right to where, you know, that that kind of opens the door for under you know for a new way of kind of looking at what is the old passing away and the new coming in look like. Does it mean just a total annihilation of? this created order or does it mean, or is it, you know, or is there another mm-hmm. way in which we can, we can view what that judgment's going to actually look like? Um, you know, is it literally just fire burning everything up or, um, or something else? So I, I guess that's my, that's the first thing for me in, in looking at, at, um, at that verse. And then the, the whole idea of just everything, but it it is right. That's what we a lot of Christians say. Yeah, it's all going to burn. You know, um, is that? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so sure that that's literally what we're what we're talking about. Um, especially when you do take into account the um, the overall, again, the overall picture of 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 the Bible and what's what's the beginning and the end of it. And again, it's it's creation to new creation, and and the more you kind of like look at the connection of the two, I think, um, well, at least to me, the the less it makes sense that God would just um, annihilate right what the the created order that is, and um, probably the most important thing in there is that while well, Jesus rose from the dead, and that is described as the hope, not just for humans who put their trust in him, but for creation, right? All creation, yeah. For all creation. So that's that's death to life. And then it's it just doesn't follow that it's just going to burn. Um, Romans 8 is a, is a really important passage, I think, for that. It's funny, we don't think of Romans 8 that way usually, right? Right. Like Romans, we just have our key verses that we really like in there. Um, but... Romans 8, talking about um, all of creation groaning, eagerly waiting for the appearance of the sons of God. For the redemption. For the redemption, right. And it's like, 
So that's kind of, it's almost like cruel in that sense, like to think, okay, so it's all waiting and then it's going to burn again. Mm -hmm. It's just, the logic doesn't seem to be, doesn't really seem to follow. Right. So, um, so I think it points more towards the fact that, that there's a, um, that actually there's a renewal of all, of all things. I think the, 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 uh, over the, 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 um, line from beginning to end is not, you know, earth, you know, sin, uh, destruction, but saved out of that, those who trust in Jesus. It seems more that it's earth, sin, right? And then um, Jesus, who reverses what sin is, where sin is taking us from life to death, Um, judgment, which is what Peter is talking about, but Ultimately, I think it's Jesus um, renewing all things. Behold, I make all things new. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's two two main views on it, and that is right. the there's and this applies to then how our work matters for eternity. One of the views mm-hmm. is essentially like the, there's the earth, and the earth is going to um, be destroyed, and then there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And the things mm-hmm. that we do here, which we'll get into a, a, this story, Leaf by Niggle, in just a second, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. the, the things that we do here reflect the future coming reality, the future coming mm-hmm. world, um, but they aren't the actual thing. And then right. the other view is that uh, the world will actually perhaps be destroyed by fire, but then be renewed. Kind of like here, like in Colorado, we have forest fires every year. And uh, those fires are actually necessary for the renewal of the, right. of the forest. And so it's the idea that there will be this um, judgment that takes place, like with fire, and the, the world will be burned up, and yet it will be then renewed. So it will actually be this earth that will be renewed, and the things that we do in it will continue on for eternity. So it seems to be kind of two divergent views on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that gets into this thing I was going to bring up next, which is that there's this famous story by um, J.R.R. Tolkien, in which he, it's called Leaf by Niggle. And I've only read about it secondhand uh, in Tim Keller's stuff, but you've actually read the whole thing, the original. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe you could kind of summarize what the story's about and what the meaning of the story is. Yeah, gosh. So it's been a few years, uh, but um, it's basically about this guy, Niggle, right? Who's an artist. And um, he just has in his head this painting that he you know he just sees this um actually I think I think it's a forest right there sees this whole you know that he wants to draw and you know and he keeps getting um distracted or you know something happens where he has to help somebody um and and those details are a little bit lost now but um but some of the things like he's he's helping someone and and uh, and and anyway he he basically all he can really it, by the end of his oh and and during the whole story the the line that keeps getting repeated is that he knows he has to take a journey he has to go on a trip and he wants to finish it before he goes on this journey and that journey you you come to find is death and. Um, and it's a, it's actually really brilliant what the way Tolkien kind of even talks about the 
um, I mean, he must have totally felt this as like a creative person because by, by the end, you know, so he does die and I, all he completed was like this leaf, which is thus leaf by Nigel. And, but then the, the canvas and like everything gets used, reused for something, I don't know, some sort of building thing. I mean, it, it, it totally just goes to nothing, right? Um, gets destroyed. And so at that point, like it just, just feels like, man, this was so frustrating, you know, uh, his life and everything. Um, but then the rest of the book is about him going to paradise, right? And um, there's, uh, oh God, I, I can't remember the details at this point, but there's like this, um, yeah, this evaluation station that he goes to and and I, th- I think I remember him. I think he's on a train, and uh, it tells you how well I remember what I what I read. But anyway, but they kind of weigh like the fact that he the, the good things that he did or whatever. But uh, but ultimately, he takes this train into paradise, and what he sees when he arrives is his tree. Um, the what he was what he had always imagined, but it's like. It's even great. It's even more beautiful than he could ever have imagined. So, kind of like showing that you know, because you, you you get this sense in his life that he was, it was just a total failure, and it didn't. Um, he never realized his dreams or his vision or anything, and um, and then in the next life, right, he actually discovers that this this is where it really comes to to being. And um, yeah, that's the that's the gist of it. I think. Yeah, here's so. here's Keller's evaluation. This is in his mm-hmm. book Every Good Endeavor, on page twenty nine. He says this: Whatever you are seeking in your work, the city of justice and peace, the world of brilliance and beauty, the story, the order, the healing, it really is there. There is a God. There is a future healed world that He will bring about, and your work now is showing it in part to others. So his idea here is that by drawing this leaf, he was pointing not only to something that really exists, um, that there's a reality behind this vision that he had, but that uh, his job on earth as he drew that leaf was um, as imperfect and incomplete as it was, he was pointing to that future reality. And that's Mm -hmm. our job through our work is to point people to that future reality um, and yeah, point them to what is to come. Yeah. There's an there's an interesting um, thing that he points out in a different book. It's, it's one that just came out, um, and I'm going to find it real quick. So he he points out that there's this movie um, from a few years ago, in which this person had uh, said this thing. And I got to find it. Um, they said that this person was saying, "Okay, so if everything in the world is just going to burn up." then I'm not going to do my homework. And the, the reason, it, it sounds like funny and the audience is meant to laugh, but he says it's actually no laughing matter. So here's, here's what it is. I found it. It says that Brian Greene in his book, Until the End of Time, Mind, Matter, and Our Search for Meaning in an Evolving Universe, uh, quotes from this movie called Annie Hall, in which the nine-year-old character, once he realizes that the universe will break down, all human civilization will be destroyed, and essentially the sun will burn up, so no memory of anything is ever going to last. He says, well, then I'm not going to do my homework. 
and everybody's supposed to laugh, but he says, it's not actually funny because if you know that the world is going to just burn up or, or die out, then really everything we do, art, politics, uh, rearing a family is all pointless and futile. And he says the author there, who's not coming from a Christian perspective, he says, well, then that actually means that if things are, are actually meaningless, then we shouldn't pretend that they're meaningful now. Like we should actually right. just accept the fact that there, there is absolutely no meaning. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's incredibly hopeless, right? And it, and it yeah. leads you to a place of saying, well, then I'm just going to live for myself. I've got one life to live and, um, I don't really care about other people because my, even if my name is remembered for several generations, eventually the sun will burn out and no one will remember me and all consciousness will be destroyed. And so what's the point of doing anything? I yeah. mean, that's really the logical conclusion that not yeah. having the hope of the resurrection leads us to. Yeah. Which what, what's interesting to me about that is, um, so we, so, okay. So we admit that it's meaningless, right? But we can't, like, we can't, I'm, I'm sorry, we can't live that way. Like, right. even, even people who don't believe in Jesus and the rest, like, you'll have these voices that will say, dude, let's be consistent and mm -hmm. live like, well, the way things are is that there is no meaning. But like, on a whole, we can't, we can't help but hope and we can't help but want to love forever, Right and um, to do things that matter and hope that they do. Like, it's so part of, like, the D our DNA. Like, we just, um, well, we just, yeah, we, we have to, even if we say we don't, right, we, we have to hope, we have to live as if there's something like the resurrection. Um, yeah, it's interesting that, well, and if you think about the Bible, you, as you mentioned, you know, it, the arc of the Bible goes from creation to mm -hmm. sin, fall, but then there's redemption and restoration. And that's mm -hmm. where it ends up as, is that restoration. But it's, um, I find this interesting. We go from the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, and we go on this journey of sin and destruction and pain and death and then the redemption that Jesus brings. And then the end of the story, it brings us back to the river of life. And there in, the, in this garden paradise, which is heaven, the new heavens, the new earth, there once again is the tree of life. In other words, we've come yeah. full circle. We've come back to where yeah. we started. But it's not just a restoration of Eden. It's actually yeah. the fulfillment of Eden. So what started out mm -hmm. as a garden is now a city. <coughs> yeah, And so... I've put it this way to people is that what we see in Revelation isn't just the restoration of the Garden of Eden as if sin had never happened, but it's actually more than that. It's the fulfillment of what um, could have been had sin never come into the world. In other words, it's, it's the redemption and the fulfillment of what God wanted to do. Right. In other words, the whole journey was not in vain. No, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then you look at and that, that's where I think work really, like where we really find how valuable it is, right? Where if it was just coming full circle and going back to Eden, then it would kind of affirm that idea that I think a lot of people have is that Eden was just where humans just laid around and I don't know, yeah. fed each other grapes or whatever, right? Um, but we had, and, and it's, it's funny because it's hard to miss on page one, 
that we have this commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's the commission of all humankind to to be the representatives of uh, of God in in the world, like made in His image. Right, this God who created, worked, did all these things, right, and then we're to like carry that on, you know, and it's this huge calling, you know, and then somehow we can tend to interpret it like, okay, we're just supposed to exist and love and and enjoy the good things that He's given. It's like no, actually, we 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 were meant to go and to build and to work and to to, to and we we and then we did in a fallen world right Mm -hmm. um but we did we built cities and we've done and there are a lot of amazing right achievements i mean that's kind of what that goes without saying amazing achievements throughout human history and uh developments but then of course along with that incredible um destructive power that humans have not just individually but what we can do corporately is scary right Mm -hmm. um along with amazing um and so so yeah it 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 just it actually makes so much more sense of what we're um, experiencing and longing for. I think to realize that it goes from a garden, which is really more representing, I think, the potential of that we have, right? Yeah. And then it ends with this city, um, and and it and it kind of is b- both a, a return to before the fall, but then also we see. Um, well, we've made, we've been building cities and we've been doing all these things, but now we see the redeemed version of that, I guess, if, if you mm-hmm. will, if we can put it that way. I don't know. Yeah. And here's an interesting thought is that, that with Jesus, right? We see that for all eternity, he bears the scars of what took place mm. on the cross. And what that tells me is that for all of eternity, so we went on this journey Right, we we started out in the garden. We went on this journey: sin, fall, destruction, death. Like you said, trying in our own endeavors to to build something great and to make meaning. Kind of the Babel story is lived out in our our current societies, mm-hmm. right? Like we're trying to make yeah. a name for ourselves and provide security. And um, and yet, then we end up in this this garden city, the New Jerusalem. Uh, the city which has descended from heaven, which has foundations and is from God. And yet there in the city, right, there is this lamb who is slain for all of eternity, mm. right? He bears the wounds for in his resurrected body. Mm. And that tells me that uh, the story, everything that we've gone through, it isn't necessarily meant to just be forgotten. It isn't just erased, but it, no, yeah. there are aspects of it that carry on for eternity. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and and speaking of the suffering of of Jesus, actually, I think that's what I think that's what Paul has in mind again in Romans eight, is that because he he's addressing these these questions because you look at you know the affirmation he's trying to he is giving to the believers right of like like who we are in Jesus and that the Spirit from within us cries Abba Father we belong to um, the Father and then you know, the, the destiny of, 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 of us and all that. But then it's almost like he's anticipating this question of like, well, what about suffering? You know, like what is, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and that's where he starts talking about the meaning of it in there even and using that analogy of birth pangs and right to mm-hmm. where these things actually are, uh, play a role 
in mm. in in getting us to that that final destination. And um, uh, yeah, I, I always I thought how um, that this is such an incredible like new perspective that we can have on on suffering because I think practically we we should be looking to alleviate you know pain for who who we can and help those that are in need and and um, heal when we can heal and you know provide whatever but then there's there's people and and diseases and things that are they're not going to get better in in this life right and I think it's it's actually as we look at those things um, the the suffering that's just going to remain until things are all made new I think it actually becomes the fuel mm. really to to hope it it becomes that like um, a very powerful pointer to yeah a reminder that yeah this this world is is broken it's his beautiful world that's that's broken and um and it's sad what we what we see now there's there's so much sadness connected to it but it doesn't end right with that thought it it goes to but one day he is going to renew all things and 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 these sufferings and these scars and mars they're the pointers to right to to that mm-hmm. new creation that's that's going to come so yeah, yeah. it it's it's a uh, uh, to me, it's the, I mean, it's the most uh, g- kind of like, to me, comp- uh, not comprehensive, what's the word? Um, uh, suffering is, is always hard to deal with, right? But in, in, with any worldview, but I think it's the, it's the one that, the, the Christian worldview is the one that, that makes, that gives the most hope, uh, at, mm-hmm. at least, right? I mean, it doesn't, we, we, it's still sad and hard to suffer, but with any worldview where where you just either say, well, yeah, this is just the reality, or if you say, well, the the material doesn't really matter, or wh- whatever else, you know, mm. you're kind of exp- to me that's that's more explaining away and not really providing um, um, both a meaning for a, a, an ability to um, to kind of uh, embrace that suffering now. And then a hope for like what's going to happen in the future with it, right? Well, and this is what Paul says. He says that these present sufferings, this light momentary affliction that we are experiencing is preparing us for an eternal weight right. of glory. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is, is I think like really profound and what it is, is that the things that we're going through, they aren't even meaningless, right? It isn't just right. like, this is meaningless suffering that we brought upon ourselves and mm. it's horrible. And yet one day it's going to end, but actually that these things are not wasted, that they're actually accomplishing mm. something um, for God's kingdom and in us as we go through them. They are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that is beyond comprehension. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually always, um, so <laughs> when I taught on Romans eight, I had Steph, um, write out, um, her experience of giving birth, right? Cause obviously I don't know what that's like and you don't know what that's like, but I'll just read that real quick. She's, she's like, so after giving birth five times, this was well now six times, but five times then without any pain medication, I can tell you that the pain the pain of childbirth is excruciating. With our first 
child Katie, I was in labor for over 20 hours and I really thought I was going to die. I remember in the last hour before she was born, I thought two things. One, that I'm going to die. And two, is that I will never have another baby again. Um, yet right after she was born, when I saw her precious face, this miracle of new life, it was amazing how the memories of the pain started to fade away. There's even this rush of joy that new moms get. I especially remember it with George. I even had some pain afterwards, but I was so happy. I was smiling and laughing, just so happy that, that he was mm. here. And, and that's, t to me, that, that picture is so, that, that, that's it, right? Where this isn't, that wasn't meaningless suffering, right? Mm. And it actually made, it, it contributes to then the joy that, mm -hmm. that she experienced afterwards, which it's like, it's, it's funny. We talk about with men, how it's like, you know, either like relief that we don't have to go through it, or it's always a joke that men don't know what that pain is like, but we also don't know what that joy is, is mm -hmm. like either, mm -hmm. um, afterwards, it would be the joy of a father, but it's not, it's not the same thing. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway. So. Cool. Well, John, one last question for you, and that is, okay. how does this hope of the resurrection and this hope that perhaps the things that we do here on earth will actually have meaning for eternity, how does that affect your work as a musician? Yeah, dude, this is a, this is a great question because um, I so relate to Nigel. <laughs> it's just like, um, just, just that whole thing of, uh, you know, um, just frustrated it with a lot of things and, and feeling like I've already, I feel like I've, I've already experienced um, loss um, in creative ways that things I'll, I'll never get back, you know. Actually, I've, I've probably a few years ago, I, my, my right hand, I started to lose the ability, ability to use it fully. I actually can't even type up my notes for sermons mm. fully anymore. But, um, and I was trained as a concert pianist and that was like one of my first dreams was to be a pianist. And so, you know, that, that sense of loss is already there. Um, but that in combination with, uh, it's funny, I, I, I uh, heard this thing recently, um, offhand kind of, uh, I think it was Jordan Peterson that said like, um, about creative people, he said how like they're worth it. I think they're worse at making money because they have so many different interests. Like that's just the fact. <laughs> it's like, and that's like, oh man, that's totally me. Where, you know, I can't I have so much, such a hard time focusing on one thing because you know there's all these other things. And part of that is because I feel like all of these things, like, oh, I gotta fit all this in, you know, or something to this life. But um, so kind of if I, in combining those two. Um, it, it's it's almost like a paradoxically niggle and that and that whole idea of a creative person. It's like uh, it's actually helped me to focus more when I understand that that um, actually this isn't this isn't the real you know the end so to speak right. And when I die, that's not the end of my uh, hope and work and everything. And that actually gives me the ability to focus. Mm -hmm. where um, there's a lot of things I want to do and um, hope to do. But, um, but I think it very practically in day-to-day, -day, um, though I, of course I, I, I struggle with it, but in the day-to-day, -day, um, it, 
it does just give me the ability to 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 do like the next thing that you know I think is going to be of the most benefit to other people that I can share this with or whatever and and it takes the pressure off of like you know where I I just I have to you know fulfill all of my calling whatever I might um might think it is I I think another thing that it does too um and and something maybe we didn't talk so much about is that um I think with the whole it's all going to burn idea um there was like this it's kind of this movement of like well the only important thing then is souls and so the only important thing is like evangelism basically Mm -hmm. um and there's varying forms of that right but but it kind of what that would kind of said to me was that well then then everything needs to be directed at that so just making music unless it's directly related to some sort of evangelistic outreach of some kind really that music is a distraction from what's really important um and i've really just that's just entirely changed for me um as i've thought about what we're talking about more um i can actually focus on my music and work at it to the best of my ability and um and understanding that uh yeah it's 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 kind of um like we were saying it's a, a witness to the fact that we believe that yeah we're in a broken world and and we have more to do than we can do and and you know it it we do die but what we're testifying to with with like for me with my music is that i trust and hope uh, um in a in a new renewed creation and i want my music and how i focus on it how i work on it and and produce it and all that um to be a witness to this future hope that i that i believe in and mm. so that that really fills out like and um, um, like gives mu- a much bigger vision i would say to um and i think a more um i don't know exciting vision <laughs> for for how to to live that out now you know um and it makes me excited about making music and making it for other people i think that's the thing too is that um for for musicians it well for anybody but uh, i you know there's this thing where you get extremely self-absorbed and selfish because it's all about you and you have to like fulfill your dreams and everything but it i can now i can turn that around and like i just want to make music for other people i can share this i can um give myself because again this is not the end this is you know um we're we're living for a hope that is not going to fade away you know so i can i can live generously with whatever it is that i produce and 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 whatever i make so well, that's great. So yeah. um, we're going to wrap up right now, but maybe John, could you tell people, give us a website, give us something like that where people can find out more about your music? Yeah. So uh, it's called uh, Room for More Music. And I think that's the that's the um, Instagram. What do you call it? It's not a handle, whatever it is. Room for More Music, basically. Something like is, that, yeah. If you, t- <laughs> if you type that in on Instagram, that's what you'll find. Uh, same in YouTube, and that's where all of we 
pretty much posts all of our songs. That's on Rimformer, it's on Spotify, iTunes, and all those other cool. places. We'll put some on links YouTube. in the description. Yeah, yeah. And on the YouTube channel, like there's different stuff too. A lot of it's in Ukrainian, but then we do have some English stuff on there as well and interviews and stuff like that. So Cool. Yeah, thanks for being out. on, John. God bless you yeah. guys. God bless your ministry and your family. Yeah, thanks, Nick. It's been a pleasure.